Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. Uh, I started this show five years ago because I wanted access to entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and business leaders who were doing really cool things. And I thought that if I could get the chance to interview them, that they couldn't help it. They would have to leave ideas, theories, nuggets, concepts behind that would help me grow my business and therefore help all of you. And that's what I've been doing now as we approach 500 episodes. We're we're about six or seven episodes away from episode number 500, and uh, it's been an exciting journey, and I'm not going to stop there. We're going to keep the show going. Uh, it's just starting to get good. I think the thing that I have learned is that if you want to do something well, you have to put in the reps. You have to put in the time. It's the reason that stand-up comics go to open mic night all the time. Uh, some of the young comics go to 5, 10, 15 open mic nights a week in order to get that stage time, to be able to, to get comfortable, to have that presence, to be able to do it. And I think it took me about 300 episodes of the show before I just got comfortable. So we're still in the infancy, even though we're at episode number 500, almost, Although it was said to me the other day, and I don't have the official stat on this, that of the 700,000 podcasts that are out there, only about 1% of them have ever reached 500 episodes. So that's kind of a little feather in my cap. That makes me really happy. Uh, if I've learned anything throughout this process, it is that success leaves clues. That's why I bring these interviews every week with really cool people who are successful because we always get to walk away with more knowledge from these. And today is going to be one of those days. Today, I have a great guest. And before I get to that guest, though, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. So those of you who are listening, you know that human behavior, it's a complicated thing, especially when it comes to working and living together. Understanding why and how people behave in certain ways in groups is what my friends, Dr. Josh Packard and Megan Bissell, it's what they do for a living. Their podcast is the sponsor of this episode. Their podcast is called The Bias Disruption, and they answer questions like, what's the ideal team size and, and how do you change company culture? If you've ever wondered how to make changes in your business, and I mean changes that last, you need to listen to The Bias Disruption because Megan and Josh... They use social science, real-world experience, <laughs> and humor to share their, insight, their insights. Hey, plus, they play really nerdy games. So check out The Bias Disruption. So speaking of today's guest, I got to tell you, this is somebody who I met maybe two or three weeks ago. I was the keynote speaker at an event, and uh, afterwards, they asked me if I would stick around for a couple hours and be interviewed for uh, their little video channel that they have that promotes their organization. And they said, yeah, the guy who was our keynote speaker last year is actually going to be conducting these interviews. And it turns out that in the landscaping business, he is one of the top consultants who's out there. He uh, helps landscapers get found on the internet. Now, if you think about it, that's great for landscapers, but really any local business. And his book is actually called Get Found Online a local business owner's guide to digital marketing. And he has a digital agency in Boulder, Colorado called Ramblin' Jackson. And uh, he helps people through their SEO and their websites uh, be sure that they can get found. And as I said, he specializes with landscapers, 
But I bet that the stuff he helps landscapers with would help everyone who's listening to this podcast. And I bet if you're not a landscaper and you wanted to work with him, that probably could happen too. So today's guest is Jack Justice. Hey, Jack, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks so much for having me here, Tom. It was a real blast meeting you down in San Antonio, and uh, I've been enjoying your podcast since then, and I'm thrilled to be a guest today. Well, I, you know, I thought it was interesting. Every now and then I meet somebody and I'm like, that guy is cool, and the name of the show is Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I got to put him on the show. So thanks for, for jumping on here so quickly and uh, sharing some of your brilliance with the people who listen. So, so Jack, I, I don't read the big bios that marketing people write. So why don't you give us a little bit more of your background? What, what, what got you to where you are? And tell, tell us about Ramblin' Jackson. Yeah, great. Well, um, you know, so as you mentioned in my intro, I work with landscaping companies. And uh, when I was in high school, I worked at a garden center and nursery in the Chicago area, a pretty prominent one, Pesci's Plant Nursery, Pesci's Flowers. And uh, during that time, I studied theater and journalism in school, and I played in and managed a band where that was really how I started learning social media. Facebook and MySpace were really big at that time. And about 10 years ago, the whole shift to digital was happening. And I started my agency in Boulder called Ramblin' Jackson. And that was a nickname they gave me when I was a I did door-to-door sales as a milkman at a dairy farm. <laughs> and um, so what, 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 what are we, you 97 years old? Who, I, who's I a am, milkman? You know, that was, that was what was great about it was it was a, a local family-owned company that delivered milk in glass bottles. And so I would go door to door with these glass bottles and people would be like, what is this, 1950? And they'd love it. And it was a really quality product, but I got kind of bored doing that, wanted to pursue writing. And that's, that's what really led me to, to start my agency was I realized that you know, the whole internet is all, it's all writing. Now, a lot is happening with audio now and podcasts, but uh, even searching for podcasts or searching for videos comes to the words that we use. And I just love that. And that's how I help people is I help them figure out what words do their customers use when they're searching on Google or searching on YouTube that would help them get found. So what made you Walk away from the lucrative milk business to start your own business, though. I love to know why people who have a job say, eh, this is nice, but I think I'll go do my own thing. What was that spark that made you say, I don't want a job. I want the entrepreneurial life. You know, it, it, I, I was kind of bored. You know, I was kind of bored selling milk. You know, what, what I liked about selling milk is what I love about what I do now, which is talking to people and asking them questions. And that was my background in journalism that it, I was, it really just gave me permission to ask people the questions I was naturally curious about. And I realized that, um, you know, at that time, 2008, 2009, newspapers were going out of business. Rocky Mountain News went out of business. They were 158 years old. Um, and uh, the whole shift to digital was just happening. And I recognized an opportunity to help people. And I accidentally, I accidentally, well, I bought into a multi-level marketing pyramid scheme. And I didn't realize that. But somebody who had worked with me at the dairy was like, hey, Jack, you know, you're good at writing and selling. Why don't you sell for this company where you can get to, you get to do some of the writing and you're going to help people get found on the internet? And I'm like, cool. And so I made a few sales um, doing that. And then the company went out of business. I didn't get paid. It didn't work. But I realized through that experience that 
a lot of people were getting screwed over by SEO companies or digital marketing, whatever. And I was genuinely curious of like, how, how does this really work? And I realized that there was an opportunity to help people with this aspect of their business. Because at that time, Tom, people were like, hey, I've been doing the phone book for 30 years. It's a line item in my budget for like 20 grand a year. People were spending so much on the phone book because that used to work. And the, and uh, it was really partly, it was just, I wanted to help people. I, I myself had been taken advantage of by an SEO company. And I wanted to solve that problem for people by figuring out how to do it well and not screw them over, right? So now that you've had your agency for a decade, what do you love about the entrepreneurial lifestyle? What's working for you? Well, one of the things that I, I, I love that I've loved from the beginning is, is the results. I'm a pretty competitive person and I, I work with one person, one company per service area. So I'm really tuned into who their competitors are, where they rank online and how can I beat them? And I, I, I'm really fulfilled by, by helping them grow their sales and be competitive and, and the results that they get of it's not just business results. I, I mean, it's some of, I talked to a guy who is, I mean, his business was such chaos a year ago and he was driving around all over California, chasing every lead he could find. And now he's attracting these really big ones and he's spending more time with his family. He's improved his quality of life. So that's what I enjoy about it. And what I'm surprised about though, is, you know, growing a team and, and, um, hiring and training and growing a team with, with my people and seeing them grow is really rewarding in a way that I, I didn't expect. And that's something that is motivating to me moving forward and growing my company. So the thing I always like to ask people who've been able to have the success that you've had, have been able to grow a company, have, you know, the build their own way to feed their family and do their own thing is what advice do you have for others who want to do this. Cause here's the thing. People listen to this show and shows like it because they've either taken that leap and they're, they're doing something entrepreneurial and then they're, they're trying to make sure they're doing it right. Or what I find with a lot of people who listen is they really want to, they're, they're stuck in a job where they don't feel that they have an, an upside or they're bored like you were. And they want to take that leap and start something for themselves but a lot of people don't even know where to begin. They didn't grow up in an entrepreneurial family. They haven't had that mm. type of, of, of advice. So that's why I do this show is to really get from you. What, what would you tell someone who's in that position? What would you tell them to do? I would tell them to just do it. You know, I think there's, there's so much time spent getting ready to get ready and, and people are scared and it is scary and it, it's still hard. 10 years in, it's still hard work every single day, right? And balancing it with my family and, you know, it's, it's never easy. You get momentum, right? As you get going, but in order to get there, you just have to get started. So that would really be my, my main recommendation to people is to, is to leverage your strengths. You know, for me, it was, it was writing and public speaking. And I remember somebody telling me, Oh, writing and public speaking, you'll never make a living doing that. <laughs> and I, I, you know, that's the main way that I generate business. And I know that it's something that you do too, Tom. And uh, that was a strength. It was a skill that I developed, but it was something that I was personally interested in. So, so let me, let me jump in on that for a second. Cause it was interesting. My, my father, I started this business 10 and a half years ago and, and my, my dad was still alive back then. And one of the things he kept asking me when he'd see me is, is have you gotten a real job yet? 
And I'm like, it's so funny actually being a speaker. And at the time I was writing a lot of books, being mm -hmm. a speaker and a writer actually is a, is a job, dad. It, it, it is a career. Uh, he just didn't see it as that. So I sort of chuckled to myself when you said people like, oh, you'll never make a living, you know, doing that. But here's the interesting thing. People who can speak well. Now, your business is set up different than mine in the fact that mm -hmm. I make my business as a speaker. I mean, most of my income comes from the speeches that I give. I don't have a back end. I don't have an agency. I don't have anything where people see me as the expert to hire me for this other side. Whereas a lot of what you do is to promote Ramblin' Jackson and get the clients in right. uh, mm -hmm. into that. However, it really doesn't matter. I mean, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. I've had this debate with other speakers and I'm like, you know, I have a lot of friends who have agencies or they're mm -hmm. consultants who they go and give a speech for free. But then they sell 10 clients at $15,000 each. That's a lot more money than I made in the hour. You know, so it's like it's still a legit way to do it. But, but here's right. the interesting thing. If you can speak well, what happens is, is people see you as the expert. They see you as maybe smarter than you are. And long before I made my living doing this, I had gotten the advice to go and learn to be able to present really well, whether you're in sales, whether you're in mm -hmm. marketing, for internal meetings or external meetings. And so what I did when I was 25 – is I joined a Toastmasters club. And I did that because my boss told me I had to because I'd given a presentation that sucked. So part of my six-month plan was I was going to join a Toastmasters club. And you fast forward to, you know, I don't know, eight or 10 years later, I came in, in the top 18 speakers in the world in Toastmasters International Speech Contest. I was the runner-up to one of the nine finalists uh, in the, the regional semifinals. And that was when I said, oh, Maybe I'm somewhat good at it. If I could do that, there were 20,000 people who had mm -hmm. entered that contest around the world. And I thought, you know, come in as a runner-up to one of the nine finalists. Maybe there's something to it. At the same time, I had gotten a job as the director of marketing for a law firm. And one of the reasons I had gotten the job was they knew that I could communicate really well. And one of the lawyers asked me, where'd you get your MBA? And I'm like, I don't have an MBA. He goes, it's so funny. In every meeting, you speak like an MBA. And I never knew what that meant but what I've interpreted it to later is, is that if you can clearly present your thoughts, doesn't mm -hmm. matter what you do for a living, people will assume that you're the person, you know, who's the smartest one in the room. Yeah, absolutely. Public speaking, I think, can be really powerful, especially for local businesses um, in, in either creating video, creating podcast content, creating webinars or speaking locally. Even if people don't come and see you, you can get pictures of yourself speaking and people perceive you to be um, an expert in your field. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to share that I just realized was, you know, my whole path to where I got was pursuing things that I love doing and then realizing some of them, like I, I had a band and I realized I didn't, I didn't, I went for it. We went on the road and everything. I realized on that tour that I actually didn't want that. And then I and then I really pursued the the journalism thing, and I realized that wasn't what I wanted either. But that kept pushing me closer to what I'm doing now. So if you asked me ten years ago, eleven years ago, twelve years ago, hey, do you think you'd run a, you know, a marketing agency? I'd be like, no way. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna write for a newspaper and play play in a band, right? So I, I would encourage people to pursue what they're doing and be open to the opportunities that come along the way, and then go for them. Well, it's interesting because I think that journalists and musicians and actors and comics, I think they're all entrepreneurs because at the end of the day, you're creating your own path in the world. And so, you know, it's interesting when you say, you know, that, that you tried, you, you went for it with the band and you tried to be a journalist. In reality, it's not that much different than what you do on a day-to-day -day basis now. 
Yeah, it's, it's very similar. You know, I, I essentially for my whole life, I've been creating some kind of media, either music or now videos and keynotes, having events and inviting people to them through marketing. And, and now I do that for my agency. And uh, I, yeah, I really enjoy it. So your agency focuses on landscapers. Now you said you worked at a landscape <clears throat> place in, in, in Chicago when you were a kid, but why did you pick landscaping? Well, you know, when you're the, the way that my agency grew was kind of organically. I, I went from offering social media consulting, like I had no idea what I was doing 10 years ago, right? And copywriting. And then I learned about search engine optimization. And I eventually acquired a local SEO company. And I learned that I really, I love local SEO. I love looking at maps, learning about different geographies throughout the country and helping people do that. And my, my agency kind of grew organically through, through local SEO, you know, for, you know, people Googling Boulder marketing companies. And I worked with everyone and everyone, but I found that I was kind of tapped out of how many clients I could take in Boulder ethically in the same category. And um, that we were kind of reinventing the wheel every time we were onboarding a client. And I knew that I needed to pick a niche market to really focus on so I could actually do better marketing of my own agency. And the, the three things that one of my coaches, Wayne Herring, shared with me that go into a niche are, you know, passion. You have to love what you're doing. There needs to be demand for, for what you do. And there needs to be profit, right? You need to make money. You have to love it. And there, the market needs to need what you do. And with landscapers, I had a lot of experience. I literally sorted all of my clients in QuickBooks by who was spending with me and what the profit was. And I highlighted the ones that I really loved and who was getting great results. And it was landscapers. And I was like, you know what? I, I love this. I used to work at a, a nursery, a garden center. I can just talk with these people in a way that most marketers are like, you know, you know, what's an annual, you know? And like, so I don't need to have, you know, green industry 101 with these folks. We can kind of get down to business and it's fun and it works. It generates results for them and that creates a, an opportunity for me. So, and you've become very well known in that industry. We actually met at a nursery and landscape conference and mm -hmm. it was like sitting with a rock star because I was, we were waiting to, for you to do the interview with me <laughs> and everybody was walking up and they were like, oh, Jack, Jack. And they're like, and I had just spoken and people were like, oh, I loved your speech. You, you know, Jack was our speaker last year. And, it, it, you know, it wasn't that they, they liked Jack better. It was just that they were, you know, I had given a nice speech to them, but Jack was there. <laughs> so you've done a very good job of uh, of positioning yourself in in a niche. And so what are some of the ways that if somebody has a niche that they do, what are some of the ways to become so known and so, you know, uh, beloved? <clears throat> well, one is absolutely through public speaking, right? Because you, you can speak and... Tom, you're downplaying yourself. We we did an interview. You you killed it. They're going to post it on the TNLA social media soon. You are awesome. Um, I just I just spoke there a year before, right? And I came back and I I'm working with them. But uh, as far as you know, becoming known in in a in a niche market, public speaking at conferences, at least in this industry, has been amazing. Working with associations, but not just like showing up and be like, hey, can I speak? Uh, I, I do webinars with them and I keep in touch with people and I, I produce social media content and videos every week that's about that niche. And I generally, you know, I try and help 
that industry and I interview people in the industry. So that's one of them. And then two, being a podcast guest, you know, when you, when you niche down like that, it's a little easier to become a guest somewhere. If, if there's a, a show in that industry, um, direct mail, believe it or not. Yeah. I'm a digital marketing guy. I do a ton of direct mail. And, and the reason why is I'm not sending direct mail to everyone. I'm sending out like this week, we're going to mail out 50 hand addressed letters and they will be opened and they are going to be sent to specific people and they're going to continue that relationship. So I really think that the key to marketing in general is once, once you pick a niche is to like, think of it in, in the long term and what are the little touches that I can make along the way through social media? Maybe it's through print, maybe it's through speaking at a conference and that's the way that I've gone for it. So I've been working on this to get to that point where people would come up to me and take their picture with me in my book for like, 10 years and the last three years have been focused on that industry. And now, now people are starting to remember. Oh, and one other fun thing, Tom, is to run Facebook ads targeting people who are at a conference. That, that works really well. So I've actually done that and it's amazing how people don't realize they've, they've been they've been targeted. They're like, oh my gosh, that's so weird. Your Facebook ad came up while I was at you know this event. Yes. It was like, yeah, yes. oh, wow. wow. Who knew? Yeah, we're, oh, I'm not targeting the hotel that yeah. everyone in the Geogra conference is Geographically in. focused targeting. What do you mean? Um, so, Jack, one of the things I ask everybody who comes on the show, because <clears> one of the things I speak about is this gap that exists between potential and performance. And entrepreneurs suffer from this. We see it in the employees or the, the vendors that we use. Uh, and so I love to ask the people who come on this show, why do you think, I mean, you've worked with a lot of small businesses and you've seen some of them succeed. And I'm sure you've seen some of them just fall into that abyss. So how come some entrepreneurs are able to get farther across that gap from potential to results than others? Well, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with your confidence and self-worth. And, and do you believe that you should have success? Because, and that's something that I've had to work on first is a mindset is, you know, should I, should I have success? Because it's easy for people to say things like, oh, well, I shouldn't be successful. Or if I reach this level of success, I wouldn't have this. As an example, I was working with a landscaper and he said, oh, if we break a million dollars, then I wouldn't be able to invite everyone to my barbecue and take everyone to the basketball game. And that's what I really love about this. And I, I was like, well, you know, why? And he didn't it didn't really make any sense, but he was afraid of making that next step because he thought that it would, it would, uh, you know, make the things that he's comfortable with now go away. So I think, I think part of its mindset, I think, I think part of it is just, it's hard work and it needs to become, I think the key is, is creating a weekly habit that you operate in. So, you know, I've got my calendar here and you're handwritten on it. And I print this thing out every week and I fill it out and I've created essentially a weekly operating system for how do I operate? What do I do on each day of the week, every week? And I just show up and do it. And so I want everybody to notice the digital marketing guy has a physical calendar. I'm just saying. Well, yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, there's, there's a lot, I do a lot by hand. I write all my presentations by hand. I use the whiteboard a lot. Um, and then it goes digital, right? But there's, uh, um, and I use Google Calendar. It's in Google Calendar. But for me, I need to write down every week what I'm doing and then every day what I'm doing. 
I so actually am a strong believer. I still take notes at conferences <laughs> by hand. I think there's something about handwriting that causes our brain to remember it differently. I say, I think there's, well, there's something definitely there. There, there is, and there was a really good NPR podcast about that. There was a study, and there are some colleges now that are actually banning laptops and whatever from the classroom. So yeah, recording it by hand is is one of it. Um, I also think that you know who you hang out with is really important. And as an entrepreneur, especially if you're um, if you're a, if you're running a solo, if you're running a, it's just you, right? Uh, it can be easy to be lonely and it's weird. And maybe your family tells you things like, why don't you get a real job or, you know, whatever. My family didn't, didn't say that, but they were, they were supportive, but they also didn't really understand quite what it was like being an entrepreneur. So I think being around other entrepreneurs who are successful is important. And one of the ways you can do that is through a virtual mastermind because I used to, I used to do a lot of in-person networking and I found that I kind of outgrew the, the network that I was in. Right. And, and I wanted to hang out with people who were at a different level of success in my industry. And by joining a mastermind, I was able to spend time with people once a month who, who were doing great things. And I learned a lot from them and had access to them. So, Jack, I've got a couple more questions for you before I can let you go. But first, I've got to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound awesome. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Jack Justice. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Jack, I call this show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing in business right now? One of the coolest things that I think we're doing right now is, you know, we're, we're, uh, you know, so I published my book a year ago and I self-published it. It was a, a bestseller on Amazon. And I realized through that experience that that was really cool. And I was just giving a lot of money to Amazon. Right. And so I thought like, well, what, how could I reach more people and not give Amazon a bunch of money? Not that I don't think Amazon deserves the money, yeah. uh, but, uh, so what, what we've been doing is we've actually been donating for every, I've been giving the book away for free and just asking that people pay for shipping. And then I donate money to um, scholarships in the green industry. I'm not sure if you're aware, Tom, but there's a shortage of labor in new people entering the green industry. And so I've been donating to in Texas to the Texas Nursery Landscape Association Foundation and on a national level, the National Association of Landscape Professionals Growth Fund. And at that conference, I met a young woman, um, Cameron DeLeon, who was the recipient of that. And she came and she said, thanks. Hey, I'm studying agriculture and business. I dream of starting my own nursery someday. So that's that's been a cool thing because more people have been getting the book and we've been donating. I think that's one of the cool things that we're doing. Oh, and 
That's that. That's awesome. So the last question that I ask everybody who comes on the show is I love them to say who they admire. Because, Jack, we could talk about you and Ramblin' Jackson and all the stuff you do to help landscapers with their SEO. We could talk about that for hours. However, I believe great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. I think they're watching who else is out there. Who can I learn from? So who do you admire in the entrepreneur sphere, if you will? Yeah, you know, I, I admire a lot of people and I, I definitely study them and I'm excited by them. One person who's really inspiring to me is Russell Brunson. I just read Russell Brunson's Expert Secrets book and it was excellent. And I loved the way that he marketed to me with all of his remarketing and his social media. I think he's a really interesting guy um, entrepreneurially. Uh, another person who's uh, somebody I admire is my business coach, Wayne Herring. And Wayne really helps people focus on building a business and a life that balances with their family. And I think Wayne has done that. I really dig that. Um, another another person that I, I really enjoy following is Frank Kern. I don't know if you follow Frank Kern, but love his video content. And, and uh, you know, he's just an interesting guy to follow online. So those, those are a few people that I think are really interesting that are producing cool content that have a family and have f- seemed to have figured out how that all works. So, you know, I just was going to wrap up here, but actually if we've got an expert in SEO on, on the podcast, I really should go just for a couple minutes, just for a couple of tips, because I, before I met you, I, or I would have worked with you, I'd put a lot of time into uh, really working on, on SEO. And if you were to search certain terms around my industry, you actually will find me. I was looking at a chart the other day of my website and it was like, bumping around zero, 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 zero to up to now, you know, sort of hundreds of hits, um, you know, on a, on a daily and monthly basis um, from SEO. So what advice would you give to somebody who's like, wait a minute, Tom, you just interviewed a guy who helps people get found online. We mm-hmm. didn't get any tips. So what advice would you have for people who want to bump their SEO game? Well, the first thing would be to know that you can learn to do this. And uh, my book is a good resource for that. There's a lot of information online. And Tom, you've been studying and practicing it. And it's something I think a lot of people are afraid of and it's mysterious, but it's really, it's very learnable and you can, you can do it. The, the one thing that I would recommend from an SEO standpoint that absolutely works for local businesses and it would work for you and your speaking business and it would work if you're a dentist or a lawyer or really any kind of small business is to get online reviews and in particular have a system for asking every single customer to write a review. Make it easy for them. Give them the links to where you want them because reviews impact your ranking on Google. They impact people's decision to click onto your website. And it's been proven that they also influence purchasing decisions. A lot of people are searching for the best podcasts for entrepreneurs or the best public speakers in Austin or the best landscape uh, company in Portland, Oregon. They're, They're starting that way. And and Google's algorithm sorts those map results by people who have the most and highest rated average at the top. So that's something that you can proactively do. And it's, it's, it's something that you can't really hack, right? You know, so much of SEO can be manipulated in a negative way. And that's the reason why people need to choose to create an account and give you a review. And that this time, it really helps. 
So it's interesting. If you search keynote speaker Austin, uh, I actually show up and it shows up in one of those map type things. I don't know what I did to create that to happen. But if you search motivational mm. speaker Austin, I still rank at the top, but I don't show up in, in the little map. So I don't know uh, what I did. The keynote speaker Austin, uh, I, I, am, mm. I am the number one thing and it shows up like two or three times. They've, they've for some reason decided they like me for that. Well, one question is, do you actually see map results for motivational speaker, but you're just not there? No, there are, there, there are not. That's exactly there. There, there are no map results. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, I don't know. I mean, that Google definitely looks at the content on your website and it can influence your rank in the maps. Hmm. And then also, this is gold, Tom, if you could get some reviews that mentioned the word motivational speaker, and I know a guy who might write one for you. That would be who awesome. Knows how to do, yeah, <laughs> that can that can really help. So that can be a, a you can kind of coach people on, hey, would you mind writing a review? And by the way, be sure to mention motivational speaker. <laughs> Interesting. So if someone's looking at, at, at just doing something as simple as, as getting reviews locally for their business, you know, some people might be like, oh, I can't ask people to do that. How do you coach people through making that ask? Well, you know, one of the, I'm from Illinois and in, in the Midwest, people are really nice to a fault. And I had a client in the Midwest where they had a three-star average. I got them to rank really highly, but it wasn't generating the results. And they were like, oh, well, um, we don't feel comfortable asking our customers for reviews. And it's like, all right, then you're just going to lose a ton of business because your competitors are asking for reviews. So you've kind of just, you've got to just suck it up and and ask for the reviews and ask for it in a way that you know how i would ask for it is like hey tom you know and you could share with people hey i, I kind of hate having to do this can i ask you would you help me oh sure you did a great job for my landscape design what can i do to help hey you know you wouldn't you wouldn't want to write a google review for you oh sure great i'd be happy to do that and then just have them uh you know, show them how to do it and follow up with an email with a link and just make it easy for them. So you've got to overcome what my coach uh, a few years ago called nice guy itis. Oh, I suffer from that big time. You you know, where you're too nice to tell people no. I know exactly what you're talking about. Or ask for a review or do the things that you really need. And that's nice guy itis can really hold you back from being a successful entrepreneur. You asked about that earlier. You got to, you got to learn to tell people no. And, um, ask for reviews, ask for the sale, ask for referrals. A lot of these things that are a little uncomfortable are the things that'll make you successful. I, I totally am guilty of what you're talking about. I fall into that trap all the time. I'm like, well, I'm too nice to ask people to do that for me or whatever. And in, in fact, I have a few friends who smack me over the head about it. So we could have you back and we could do a whole podcast on nice guy-itis and how to get over it. Although, I don't know, Jack, you're a pretty nice guy. So thank you so much for being a guest here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Hey, thanks so much, Tom. It was a real pleasure. So if people are listening and they're like, I have to know more about this Jack Justice, how do I find him? How do I get his book? Where can yeah. they go? Well, great. Well, thanks for asking. You know, so I'm on Instagram. If you look for me, Jack Justice, that's J-O-S-T-E-S. I'm on LinkedIn. You could send me an email, Jack at Ramblin' Jackson. And I'd love to send you a free copy of my book, which you can get at landscapingbook.com. So again, that's landscapingbook.com. And I'll send you a book. I'd love for you to read it. And uh, 
Thanks again for having me, Tom. It's been a real pleasure. No, thank you. And I've I've read it's a, it's a big book. There's a lot in it. I've I've read part of the book, and uh, it's full of a lot of smart stuff. Jack's a good guy. So Jackson, thank you so much for being here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, and thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every time. If it wasn't for the audience, why would we have a show? So if you like Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, maybe this is the first episode you ever heard, and you think, "Wow, this was a great interview." Go over. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be too nice. Leave a review on iTunes. Go uh, go to the uh, Apple Podcast Store and leave a review. It's the way people find the show. And more importantly, the number one way people say they find my show is someone told them about it. Their, their boss, their sister, their brother. Somebody said, hey, you got to check out this podcast. So if you like the show, go and tell somebody. Put it on your social media and uh, tag me and I'll say thank you. Uh, so anyway, we're going to be back in a couple days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Jack. I know you're thinking, Tom, how is that possible? How do you always find people cooler than the last guest? But we always do it. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. Go out there and try some new things. Don't be caught in a rut. And while you're at it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.